Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues today on the topic of brave conversations, and we'll be focusing on racism as we look deeper into Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. Let's dig in. One of the things that I have recognized about the Bible as we have thought about this idea of racism and diversity, as well as unity and conformity, is that the church has oftentimes taken a tactic of trying to erase differences, trying to erase color and teach that we are all one, that we should sit aside all of our individuality in order to come together under the banner of Jesus Christ. Now, I think that oftentimes that is said in order to be positive because what we don't want to happen is for our individualism to stand in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ and with each other. But it may well be that what makes us different is placed there by God. So where I want to begin today is in the story of the Tower of Babel. You may have never read it. If you have never read the story of the Tower of Babel, it still should be relatively familiar to you because it is a story that we all kind of grow up knowing in some sense. And so it's short, but let's go ahead and jump in and see what God has for us to learn here today. Genesis chapter 11 verse 1. At one time, all of the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found the plain in the land of Babylon, and they settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and let's harden them with fire. Now, the author of this tells us that in this region, bricks were used instead of instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come. Let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower, and we are very familiar with that tower, the Tower of Babel, that the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. They all speak the same tongue. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, so let's go down. Let's confuse the people with different languages so that they will not be able to understand each other. And in that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So we understand this story. Everything that we need to know is in the story. And the way that it has been told and written is that uh, they try to build this skyscraper to God, which in those days they weren't building a skyscraper with bricks and tar, let me tell you. But it would have been, I guess, a tall tower in this city on the plain in Babylon. And God comes down, gets upset apparently at their audacity of trying to build something to reach him or fearful of the fact that they might actually get to him with this 
building that they're building and uh, confuses their language and scatters them uh, for some odd reason. That's the, that's the way that the story goes. But I think that the first thing that we need to say is that this story is not really about what it has been told oftentimes to be about. First of all, this story is not about human attempts to storm the gates of heaven. We know that anything that we can build today is much higher than that. And God hasn't done anything to create more languages, to scatter people, to destroy all of those towers. So it doesn't seem to be about that. It also isn't really about an insecure deity that's threatened by human achievement or humans working together. We can say conclusively, and you'll understand why here in a minute, that it's not about that either. It's also not really about explaining the multiplicity of human languages. It's not simply a throwaway story. There is a very particular problem that has gone on here, and God is providing a very particular solution to the problem that has gone on. But the problem is not the problem as we oftentimes originally see it. So what is the issue? Well, the tower is not the issue. And the text actually tells us that the tower is not the issue because it tells us that whenever God comes down and scatters them all over the world, the tower isn't mentioned, but the building of the city is mentioned. So it seems as though there's something else that's going on other than this building of a tower to the sky to get to God that is behind the reasoning for God taking this seemingly excessive outcome to the issue. So what is it? Well, the punishment offers the first clue as to the problem. So what's the punishment? Well, we're actually told twice, once in verse eight and again in verse nine, what the punishment is. And this is the punishment. The punishment is that they are scattered all over the face of the earth. So if that is the punishment, then what is the problem? Well, that is very clear as well. The problem is that God had said from the very beginning, the prime directive of humanity, of Adam and Eve, here it is in Genesis 1, verse 28, is to be fruitful, to be multiply, and to fill the earth. Are you getting a clue as to what the problem is yet? Well, if not, then God actually reiterates this prime directive, this command, the flood in Noah. Again, he says here, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So now twice in two key moments, creation and the flood, God has said, my prime directive, my goal for you is to be fruitful, to be multiply, to, to multiply and to fill the earth. And so it should catch our attention that God's punishment here at Babel is to fill the earth, to spread them out. We even in verse four read during this Tower of Babel story, it was in those verses that I just read a few minutes ago. In verse 4, did you catch this? Did you catch that the reason that they were there building the great city and building the tower was to keep themselves from being scattered all over the world? So there it is. The intent, really, of this city and this tower is, is not to build something in order to storm the gates of heaven. God isn't 
in some way, shape, or form fearful or upset with their human achievement. He's not feeling as though he's jealous or being set aside for any of those things. The problem here isn't any of those things. The problem here is that they are disregarding intentionally the prime directive to multiply, to fill the earth, to spread out. So that's why the very first verse in this story in Genesis 11 really, really is the key. Everyone on earth had the same language and the same words. That's the problem. This is the issue here at the Tower of Babel, is that um, not only is there unity, but there's uniformity. Now, I think that this is the issue that oftentimes, even today, plagues the church, is the fact that we can be united without being uniform. We can be together of one heart, one mind, one soul, one strength, one Lord, one baptism, without all being the same. Now, uh, in my ethnic background, oftentimes what we call forced uniformity is whitewashing. Oftentimes, the church has and does essentially whitewash the differences in order to make us more perceptually Christ-like. We should all be the same. No, the Bible never actually says that. It's so humorous to me whenever we fight over whether or not somebody should live this way or live that way or do this thing or do that thing or or vote this way or vote that way. You know what? <laughs> God is not trying to create uniformity. He's not trying to create automatons. We are not supposed to, as the church, look like the Stepford Wives here. We are supposed to look different and we should embrace our differences. And so the problem here at the Tower of Babel is that everyone on earth had the same language and the same words, which means uniformity. Now, let me tell you something that uniformity never happens naturally. Uniformity always is contrived because God created us with differences. I don't have to go very far. In fact, I don't have to go past Adam and Eve to show that the equipment that they had physically on their bodies was different. They were created different. God intentionally from the very beginning made us with differences from each other. And gender is a great starting place in order to point that out. So what happens here is God finds this unanimity. God finds this uniformity at Babel alarming because total uniformity is a sign of totalitarian control. Absolute consensus. They were speaking again, what, with the same words, with the same thoughts, with the same language that is forced uniformity, forced unity, which is totalitarianism. An absolute consensus does not happen natural on any matter. 
let alone on every matter. So this is the problem of Babel. And this is the point that God desires diversity. And Babel was an intentional affront to God's original design and desire for diversity by creating uniformity. And the church and church people oftentimes still do this by asking us to lay down our ethnicities, our races, our cultural traditions, our languages at the door in order not to be united, but to be uniform so that no one will feel different or less than. In God's kingdom, differences are elevated. In God's kingdom, diversity is a dynamic, exciting, and desired outcome. The Bible tells us that in the throne room of God, that every nation, every tribe, and every tongue will be there, which points out that in God's throne room in heaven, at the end of times, there still will be nations and tribes and tongues. There will still be differences. God is not interested in erasing or deleting your diversity, and neither should the church. We should celebrate our racial and ethnic differences and support and encourage all colors, all backgrounds, all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. We don't want to be another Tower of Babylon, a city trying to bring everyone together rather than trying to appreciate what God has already encouraged us over and over again to do, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to scatter all over the earth and enjoy our differences. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on racism. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.